Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 221 with Chris Peters and Rob Ward of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Steve Case, Gary Vee, Sophia Amorosa, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Founder Podcast. Hope you're having a great day wherever you are around the world. I just want to say thank you so much for uh, taking the time to listen to this podcast and just really invest in yourself as an entrepreneur and founder. Um, If you're new to this podcast, we interview some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our generation and these guys I am lucky enough to call friends. So they work down the road from the founder office. I met them both uh, through our EO groups in um, Melbourne, Australia. And uh, these guys are killing it when it comes to physical products. I've learned a lot from both Chris and Rob. And uh, they were kind enough to have us in their office. We actually did a video interview and um, we started to do more video interviews. So uh, make sure you check out our YouTube channel. But anyways, let's not digress. Uh, These guys are the founders of a company called Quadlock which is a device that you can mount to uh, your motorbike or your bicycle. And they're doing all sorts of other cool things. And uh, yeah, that work was, works with iPhones, Androids, because when you're like moving around, you don't know where to go. Like if you don't know where to go, you can't use your GPS. You can't hold your phone while you're riding because that's dangerous. So use a quad lock. And uh, these guys have done incredible with branding, Uh, big business they've grown it very very fast over the past few years and like you know even apple stocks their product like you're the apple website and these guys on the apple website they are killing it 
So if you want to know about physical products, they've done a ton of cool stuff. They've also done a bit with Kickstarter as well. Uh, they're one of the first Kickstarter campaigns in Australia, always on the cutting edge. So you want to learn how these guys are doing it. You've got tons, tons, tons to learn from them. All right, so if you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review. That's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. Kind of the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, uh, how'd you get your job? <laughs> it's a job, is it? Uh, I think we did this to get away from jobs. <laughs> we stumbled into this by doing multiple things that then ended up here. Yeah. Because at the start, it wasn't this. Mm. Yep. It was, you know, it was like from SEOE web design stuff to um, seeing. Uh, like a, a gap in the market for a product, which was a big, a sort of more heavy, not heavy machine, but a bigger product yep. uh, that we could source, take to market, do that, 3D printers, that kind of thing, yep. see, see gap, do something there and just learn and, and find out parts of business that we didn't like, I think. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And then we sort of narrowed it in from there yep. to be actually something we would like to do would look a bit like this. And then it was probably also... I've said this before, but is seeing, um, you know, what's possible because there's like the dream of what you want to do, but then there's what 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 is achievable at that mm, time with work. the resources yeah. you've got, with the tools that are out there, and there's a lot of good free you know tools. Yep. And at the time we started this, I think a lot of the barriers to entry were falling down, like crowdfunding, Shopify with you know mm-hmm. ecom, yep, payment gateways, yep. 3PLs. 3PLs is a massive one. Yep. Yeah. Manufacturing in China. Yeah. Or it's more accessible manufacturing. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Like I look back at the three years before we did that and a lot of stuff I tried, got to a point where nah, it's not right, don't enjoy that aspect of it, put it to the side, try something else. And you spend a lot of time going through ideas that you think might be right, but when you get into them, you're like, actually, I, there's no way I'm going to do this full time. It's going to drive me nuts. So mm. you cross that one off and then you, all right, what's the one beyond that that means I don't have to do that aspect of it? So a lot of learning in, in doing more so than you know, just reading about it. Yeah, I think the other thing is being from Melbourne and Australia, not the biggest country in the world, Yeah, having the ability to be like that global from day one kind of thing. Mm, we sort yeah. of always had that mentality because just the numbers work out that you, you got doing up. what we do, you have to, you yeah. have to, had to have had that. And it's not that many years before you wouldn't have been able to do it. Not without a lot, of, lot, a lot more cash than we yeah. had. Yeah, a lot harder. A lot like, harder. You could have done it, but yeah. ten times yeah. harder. Yeah, yeah. given. I up. mean, it's even. I'd say it's ten times easier now than when we started. Mm. You know, I look at so many things we had to hack together, and now you can just, you can do it literally within a couple of hours online. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So you guys are bootstrapped. Mm-hmm. Yep. When did you guys start? And you guys started with a Kickstarter, right? Yeah, yep. yeah, this part yep. of our business. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you started the quad lock with a Kickstarter. Yeah. And how long ago was that? 2000? End of 2011. End of, yeah. end of 2011. Yeah. You were one of the first, or were you one of the first Australian Kickstarters? Yeah, or? Our, but not for quad lock. Yep. Opener, the yeah. one we did before. It was yeah. one of the first. It was, there was a play that had been on. Yep. Yeah. We were the first, we were one of the first products. One, I think we were. Yeah, but we were also in the top five. Funded products in Australia for like a few years, I think. Yeah, for a long time, actually. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't that big, like, you know, that was mid This is back when um, 20, 30,000 dollars was, yeah, a, it was, a, was a good money. project. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. it's a bit different. Yeah. And we yeah. literally used Kickstarter for what it was worth. It was funding yeah. a project to validate 
that there was a market for it and raise the money to go ahead and make it. Yeah. Whereas now you see people, you know, going multi-million dollar projects, but that's more of a marketing campaign. Yeah. yeah. They've actually already manufactured it, got it ready yeah. to go. So as soon yeah. as that campaign's finished, they start shipping. Yeah. Whereas we were the ones of you get the money, then you order the tool and you're mm. three months down the track and you took the people through that journey of manufacturing it with all the ups and downs and getting the product out. Yep. Whereas these days if you do that, people just start screaming saying, yeah. why haven't you shipped because yeah. I'm sick of waiting for months and months for you guys to send this product out. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. If you watch our first Kickstarter video, it's not very good, so probably don't bother. <laughs> no, don't, don't bother. If, if you, we might bring it up on the do, screen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spend, I think we spend like half the time explaining what crowdfunding is. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like oh, yeah. we're doing this project and it's going to look like this and we're making this thing, it's called, and we're going to crowdfund it. And this is what it is. Like, yeah, wow. You know, no one really knew what that was, especially in the, in the, at the time. I, I remember after we did that project, yeah. Opener, and even after Quadlock came out, then Kickstarter built their back end. Yes. And you could see the stats. And it was like 99% of the people who backed Opener were all new. First time. First, oh, first time wow, they'd, ever, yeah. they'd ever been on Kickstarter. And so, a big Aussie contingency as yeah, well, which they had to back it in USD, yeah. which is another yeah. Yeah. level of resistance. And at that time, you had to yeah. do it through an Amazon payments account. Yep. yep. You couldn't do it through PayPal or credit card or any of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. It, was oh, an, it was a nightmare. Yeah, great. Yeah. That's crazy. So, so talk to me about like Opener, and then you guys have moved on to Quadlock. The kind of the commonality is working with basically iPhones and mm-hmm. and using the iPhone case as a as a way for people to solve another problem they might have in their life. Opener was with opening mm-hmm. your beers. bottle, yep, yep, your bottle or what you know beers, and then. Quadlock is aware of like a you know mounting a device to your bike because we all know that if you want to get around, how, how do you get around without it? Yeah. Like like it is such a smart, useful product. Like I ride a bike and if I I can't I don't know where to go if I'm lost mm-hmm. and I can't I can't get it if you don't use a quadlock because yeah. you've got to mount it in, right? Well that's and, literally yeah. you know where the idea is bang from or yeah. sprung from. Um, you know, it was iPhones launched back in two thousand seven. Yep. Um, Google Maps, really good way to get around, but you need some way secure to attach this to. It's not just bikes now. We do it for motorbikes, for cars, for, yep. you know, people running, jogging. Yep. Um, so it's really the smartphone, you know, I see has become such a key integral part of everyone's lives. You know, yep. It's almost negative to a point where you see people just face down looking at a phone walking down the street. Yep. But you rely on this thing so much to do so many things. Uh, and there's applications where you need to use it that you can't use your hands to hold it. So you have to have some way of securely mounting it to whatever you're doing, whatever activity that be. And that's where we fit in, is providing that really secure, stable mount to securely hold your phone doing whatever activity you choose to be doing. We've got our core markets that we be pushing into, but we've got people using it on hang gliders, kayaks, um, quad bikes, choppers. Wow. uh, All kinds of stuff. You you name it, someone's done it and they've used our product to mount their phone to it. Yeah, that's crazy. So tell me before we move to quad bike, which is kind of your biggest focus, right, um, what happened... With Opener, why did you pivot? How did you decide to, to move and focus on Quadlock? We saw we did we saw <laughs> Opener as a bit of a I don't know like a, a guinea pig. Yep, a bit of an experiment. So there was an idea for Quadlock before Opener. There, yep. there was actually yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, but it seemed bigger and harder to get off the ground at that time. Yeah, and uh, Opener was literally there's all these tools, there's all these cool things we could use. Yep. There's an opportunity there. Yep. What would the product look like that would fulfill an opportunity? Yes. And then we sort of come up with the opener. Yep. Um, it was literally a phone call like on a Sunday night mm. and um, 
How about this? That, yeah, how about <laughs> what would this would be cool? Yeah, that would be cool. But I think I think the two commonalities, like getting back to your original question, is that we're solving a problem, but we're piggybacking off something that's much bigger than we are mm. and much larger. So there's yeah, a pull yeah. for this from a market, market yeah. that's already made it's already there we're not making the market so to speak and i think with the with the opener we definitely didn't have to make the market people had iphones and they drank beers and they couldn't open we did actually have to make the market a bit with quadlock probably more than we expected yes they're um, very different purchase yeah very well. different it's yeah. like a, the the opener was, was a very, fatty it's an impulsive buy yes yeah. people saw the ad and it was a price point where you it was just an impulse. Went, they yeah, loved I'll it or they hated that. it. Some yeah. people hated it. I'll buy that for the weekend because I'm going to <laughs> a mate's bar and if I can whip out my iPhone and crack open cool. a beer, yeah. it's going to be great fun, yeah. you know, conversation starter, things yeah. like that. Uh, but that was where it started and kind of finished. It was yeah. very impulsive. You'd show your friends, mm. people might buy that. With Quadlock, they're actually out there searching for a solution. They're yeah. looking, they've got a problem. They want to mount their phone on whatever they want to do. Yep. So they're out looking for a solution. So that's something they actively go and look for. Whereas opener was something I'd stumble across or they'd be told about. So very different. Well, we put position. it in front of them mainly. <laughs> yeah. well, we do, yeah. But they look, you know, they are still yeah. people are still trying to solve a problem yeah. in that case. Yeah. You don't have a problem of yeah. needing to. Open I think beer it's even all even a lot. A lot of the time, it's if they're not searching for the problem, they they realize the problems exist. They may not realize there's a solution, mm. but when you show them the solution, they're like, "Actually, I have that problem." Yeah, and then they grab it. So did you guys identify this problem that there was a market in Google search trends? Uh, we we do use trends a lot for different, more um, specific. Yep. Because now we do so, so many different things. Yes. So when we're looking at, um, you know, like one of the, one of my favorite things trends is for is like, what should I call something? Uh, is it a you know smartphone um, bike mount? Is it an um, you know a bike mount for iPhone? Is it you know, and yeah. turns out it's the iPhone bike mount. Ah. You know, and and how people refer to things because, you know, we can all like I could, we you know we all speak the same language, but we say things differently. Yes, and we say it in a different order than you're expecting to hear it. Yes, sometimes it'll just go over your head. And with today, we're going through stuff so fast. Yeah, if you don't, you can't expect any customer to join the dots anymore. Yeah, because they're getting so much information all the time. You've got to. Join all the dots. You've got to give them the solution, and you've got to make them be able to check out in a single mm. tap, if possible. Like yeah. you've got to do everything you can to make it super easy. So that's where I really like like trends and things like that. I think more so than, yeah, um, it's good to as a bit of a validation of yep. an idea sometimes. Yep. But we've tended to go into markets a lot of the time where. If we wanted to only sell to the people looking for it, the markets wouldn't have probably it's been big enough at the time. Yes. Because it's too early. Yes. So we spent a lot of time, energy, and money building a market for both for, for especially for Quadlock. You know, it was it was, you know, this is what you should be doing. This is what you should be using. This yeah. is a cool way of, you know, solving this issue that you have. Um, because sometimes, you know, if you're not if you're not aware that there's something out there, you're not actually seeing the issue. Yeah. So I think it's it's one of those things where you've got a solution, and if you know no one's searching for the solution, you've got to tell them that hey, there's this thing. There's a way you should be doing it. But if you sat there just waiting for to be found, 
not enough people will find you to make it a scalable, viable business. Mm. So I guess one thing that um, a crossroad that a lot of people go by that you guys obviously went by was you had opener, but you still had the idea for Quadlock. How did you determine to, to position and move your focus towards Quadlock and how did you know to give it up, right, you know, like and, and to move on? Like because that, that's a really difficult thing. How do you know if you, yeah. It, it wasn't really a... We had a lot of things overlapping yeah, yeah, there, yeah. like lots of things. So yeah. that, like we never intended to stop doing the opener. Yeah. Um, the quad lock was just something that, you know, it was about six months between the two projects. Yep. It was like, cool, we've learned how to get things up on Kickstarter. We've sorted out the e-commerce side of things, yep. the fulfillment, everything yep. else. Now let's roll this one in yep. and roll it out. And that one with the quad lock, it was more of a slow burn. It didn't have that initial massive mm. um, spike in attention and it didn't get the media attention that the opener did. Yes. It didn't have that kind of resonating factor. thing. Like at yeah. the time. It wasn't quirky. Yeah, iPhones yeah. were still new. Crowdfunding was still new. Put a bottle opener on an iPhone case by Aussies, it was pretty cliche. Yeah. So it got a, a lot of media attention. Yeah. yeah. Um, whereas Quadlock was a slow growth yeah. up in, um, you know, building that market for us. Like, it, yeah. you know, people weren't actively looking for it at that point in time. Um, but I guess the real tipping point for we the opener. Yeah. Was um, really just being ripped off. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. 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 So we were we we're dealing with a uh, I won't name names, but a yep. beverage marketing company. Yep. That wanted to use our product to market a certain beer. Yep. Um, and they kept pushing and pushing, and obviously we were naive at the time and weren't pricing it at the correct point to make it suitable for them. Yes. And in the end, they just went off and found a manufacturer that could do it dirt cheap. And that manufacturer obviously did do it dirt cheap and didn't make much money out of it but had the tool, so took all the branding oh. off and just started flooding the market, mm. piggybacking off our marketing. So wow. that was kind of a, a deep lesson in making sure you've got good IP, IP protection, trademarks, all those in place to, to prevent those things happening. The other yeah. part to it is just invest in the brand because mm. you've got your trademark, you've got your IP, and we've, we've used them and we've done a lot with them. Yes, but if you can, you just want to make people want your brand. Like, mm. So that, you know, there's this product here, this product here, and someone wants to put something on their bike yep. or in their car yep. or on their motorcycle and they see all the cool kids are using this yeah. and they, 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 they read our blog and they see that you're putting out quality content and watch your videos and they look at the product and they see it's considered and then they go, actually, no, this is where you want to go and get this kind of product. And they're the people that come back and continue to buy from you year in, year out. And, and that's where there's differences in the two products as well. Like yeah. the opener being an impulsive product, you didn't really care so much for the brand. No. Yes. If it broke, it didn't matter because, you know, you maybe can't open beers but it's no drama. Yeah. With something like Quadlock, you're putting a fairly expensive phone in a potentially high-risk situation. So you want to make sure you're buying Trust. a quality, trusted yeah. product. Yes. That's where yeah. the brand has really, mm. you know, been so crucial to helping Quadlock achieves the success it's got, it wouldn't have really applied so much with the opener because of the different styles of products. And I think with the opener, people, people were more bought into like us as the brand, mm. like two guys just having a crack at something. Yeah. That was the brand. Yes. Where Quadlock now is just a standalone. I think thing. there's even that much of a yeah. brand behind it for mm. some. Like that's why it sold so well as a cheap product on. No, no, true. I mean, the, 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 the bit of the following we did have was oh, because yeah, of definitely. that, is yeah, what yeah, I mean. Yeah. 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 Where I think, yeah, no, now. Um, yeah, Quadlock's just, you know, if you, you it pops up on Reddit, like, oh, I've got a Ducati, this, that, and I have, like, what, what's the coolest way? Like, Quadlock, 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 yeah. Quadlock, Quadlock, you know. Yeah. Um, but just on that too, like, um, yeah, yeah, we didn't have the patterns or trademarks or so we had trademarks for the opener. Yeah. yeah. But 
if we had our time again, I don't think we would have done anything differently because if we didn't have the money to go spend on all this IP protection yeah. as the first product we ever did. Yeah. And if we invested all that money in IP and trademarks and everything to protect it, we wouldn't have had the money to actually take it to market. So mm. we would have had a protected idea and no product. Yeah, that's a lot of crazy inventors no IP, so. walking around with the best idea in their brain and never going to tell anyone. Yeah. yeah. And no one will ever know about it. No yeah. one will ever see it. Yeah. At least they won't get ripped off though. <laughs> <laughs> Although eventually someone will come the same idea and they'll yeah. be kicking themselves. Yeah. It's the serendipity of the world. Yeah. People have same ideas, similar ideas at the same time, just yeah. because everyone's got similar influences these yeah. days. Yeah, it makes sense. So let's come back to the branding piece around Quadlock because I agree, you guys have done an exceptional job with the brand and you guys are the market leaders in this space. You've invented this category. Um, you know, Apple even stock you guys, which mm-hmm. I think is is like a, a testament to itself. Like mm-hmm. Apple would only be a reseller for a really high-tier product. Yeah. So, you know, what kind of advice um, besides obviously the, you know, you guys have a really, really high-quality product, what kind of stuff would you, advice would you give to people that are starting to launch their physical product-based business and want to build like some, a, a brand that has really strong reputation in the marketplace besides the, the quality of the product? Oh, I think I think like right at the at the base of it is just understanding the user, understanding the customer really well. Yeah. And um, I think, you know, we learned this as we went. I think early on we just, you know, oh, we're just showing this widget doing this thing. Yes. But you've got to be so considered about everything around that widget and what's happening and you've got to make content almost for like one person. person. So, you know, if we're doing um, a good example is our bike mount. Yep. We know like there's a few different markets that it fits into. Yep. You know, one's a road cyclist and you know their age and we know who they are and what they're like and then yep. you've got a mountain biker and then you've got a commuter and we've got these different markets that we can tailor content to so that when you watch one of our, biz- our videos, say, say you watch one of our lead gen kind of things, yes, we may just be having a very short lead gen and it's just focused at you, the, you know. The commuter. The commuter. Yeah, and you, you'll go, actually, that's me. That's what I do. I get my coffee and I click it on and I ride to work. Like, mm. that's, who, that's who I am. But then if the road cyclist sees that, he, it's not going to, it's the same widget. Yeah. It's not going to convert. Yeah. Even though it's serving the same problem, it's the same thing. Yeah. But then when he sees, you know, a dude all in lycra, clear it on a really nice bike, click it on and, and jet off, he's like, actually, yeah, that's me on a Sunday. That's what I'm doing. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go get the same product as the commuter, but... It's positioned differently. And so when you start understanding what the customer, who they are and what they like and what they do and what they're into, and then you take the widget itself and everything around that widget and you tailor everything around it to them. Yes. Straight away in there, you know, because there's a lot of, in what we do, accessories especially, there's a lot of junk out there and then there's a lot of stuff that's okay-ish, but it's not taken, you know, they'll show the same ad to everyone or they'll have you know when you land on their website it's one of a million products and you've got to find it to put it together yourself it's not and it's not that you know you say quad lock to someone who knows us and and that means you know secure mounting the best on the market they they have all these kind of assumptions about the product because it's been you know told consistently over time yep. in a way that they understand and that they accept and that they want to see and then they want to see more of it and they want to know what else is what else is available and they want to learn more about it and so i think it's that understanding and then the consistency behind it and it's you know it's not something that we were awesome at but i've definitely seen as we've got better at it the results get much better mm-hmm. and consistency in time in the market i think it is hard to go 
now I've got a strong brand. Yeah, you don't. You, 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 you can't. Don't you don't build on a brand overnight. You like, can't. Like Seth Godin was talking about the other day in his little email things he sends yeah. out, and it's like he goes, "Your brand isn't your name and your logo. Yeah, that is. It's what you've represented over time. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't have that consistency, like you're saying before, quality is one thing. Yeah. I yeah. think there's two core things to it, and the one is to have um, the best product on the market with the highest quality. Yep. And we all use our own products, and mm. we already, we, you know, we look at a competitor's products like everyone else would do too. Yeah. But if we don't think that our product is better than the competitor's products, we need to improve ours. So I think yep. that's one key. If you're not hitting high quality and you don't think you've got the best thing on the product that you personally are happy using yep. and saying this is the best stuff out there, then you need to step up. Mm. And then it's doing that consistent, consistently over time. Because, you know, like Rob's saying, you don't build your brand up overnight, but if you are consistently putting out good products, you'll build the reputation, you'll get the reviews, you'll get the yeah. feedback. And mm-hmm. it's word of mouth. Think, like there's so many products we sell so, from yeah. word yeah. of mouth. You know, we've got people that come in and say, look, I've researched your product and I've seen the thousands of positive reviews online. I've spoken to no my mates and Tens of thousands of reviews, yeah. The amount of people yeah. that buy it just because their mate started using yeah. it and they said, this thing's the best, you've got to get one. I yeah, think the, you can't beat that. I think the, the other thing is along with the quality of the product is the experience, the overall experience, like buy it, have it arrive, put it on the bike, use it. And then, do you know, you ever, we all buy something, we're pumped about it. Then it comes, you're like, Oh yeah, it's it's, it's all right. Whatever. But you know, when someone like, you know, we know that if we ask for a review two weeks after someone buys it, we're much like much more likely to get the review. But then, you know, we get really solid reviews. Like, you know, every single day they brought, there's flooding every day. Yeah people generally do feel really good about it after they've had the product and it becomes part of what they do, part of their life. And then when the new iPhone comes out, they just, they're going to buy it. And they're so sort of a, you know, brand loyal to Quadlock. Now we get, when the new Quadlock, when the new Quadlock, when the new iPhone comes out or Samsung or whatever, yes, we'll get people sending us photos of their phone in a box saying, <laughs> I can't open it until my new Quadlock gets here because wow. I can't live without it. So that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. And, and it's that consistency that Sipri's mm. talking about. That and that they, goes down, like if they've had the product before, they're expecting that same level of consistency mm, on the mm. next case they buy. Yeah, Or and maybe a bit better. Yeah, and we've, we've managed to step it up each time we do a product. Yeah. And if you get to the point where, you know, you can probably reach a plateau where you can't make it any better, but mm. if you drop down in the quality or you start skimping on things when they're expecting this level of quality, mm. that's when you're going to start losing your reputation for yeah. your brand. So and I actually, you do actually, set a pretty high bar that you have to maintain. Mm. Yeah. If yeah. And I think that goes throughout, the, once again, the whole experience, like, you know, just things, you know, like shipping notifications. Like yeah. these are small things, but it's the whole experience. It's the it's that they've already got a quad lock, but then they see the next video come out and they watch it and like, oh, that's even better again. Like, yeah, I, I'm in I'm into these like this brand and what they do and what they put out. They go to the website and you know, oh, it's like it's next level up again. And it's just, you know, because we have lots of people chasing us and copying us. Yeah, I can in, imagine in, so. in this market, right? Yeah. But it's what do we do to always, you know, they're, they're trying, they're aiming for where we are now. Yes. So we've got to be working on being here. So then they, in when they do hit yeah. where we are now, we're already ahead. Yeah, they're replicating and yeah. they're innovating. Yeah. So we're yeah. just trying to, we're looking what's possible and they're looking like we've got to catch up to this. Yeah. yeah, I see. So I think there is a lot to be said about what you were saying, Rob, around 
just really knowing your customer avatars and the people buying the mm. product and tailoring your marketing to them. We've had a lot of success by really reverse engineering that with founders mm. and getting that super dialed in. Hard to do when you're brand new. Yeah, hard to do when Very you're hard. New. We did it. Like, yeah, we did it. Yeah. We, you make assumptions, yeah. then you prove yourself wrong. Yeah. After you've made the assumption and you've sold some units and you've got some customers mm. and then you work it out and then you go back and make it better. Yeah. I mean, if you know, we're all going to be wrong, the quicker we run, find out how wrong we are, the quicker we can get more right, but we'll never be right. I think that's the 100%, thing. 100%, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so coming back, like, let's say somebody has an idea for a physical product. Um, what do they do? Kickstarter, you guys recommend Kickstarter, you know, the first way to validate it. Yeah. Um, how, come, how come you guys haven't done another Kickstarter in a while? Like, you guys know that whole game. You, someone say you'd be crazy not to, right? Because you know that whole game and it's super yeah, powerful I to, think... to validate any of these innovative ideas that you have. Yeah. Or... Well, we've got a pretty big market ourselves that, you know, you yeah. can kind of use to validate your own products. Yep. So you don't need to go fresh to a, a, a blank market. Yeah. But Kickstarter is definitely hugely valuable. I think that's the first step in any mm. new product idea is to validate it. Yep. Don't go throwing huge amounts of money at an idea until you actually know there's a market for it. And that's the first mistake I think a lot of people make. And we're probably I guilty think, of a bit of that now yeah. of going too deep on some things before we validate it yeah. because we've got the ability to do so. Um, yeah, but we've we got the workshop to... out the back. It's more just you've got the finances and you've got the resources to, to experiment and play with things. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to kind of slap yourself and go, hang on a minute. You know, that's we may not be right here. Let's actually start testing the waters and talking to our customers and finding yep. out if that's something that we we'll really want. Mm. Um, so we yeah. learn because of the scale though of the business, you learn things that we wouldn't be able to learn like fast. Which is something like um, like when we went into moto, you'd say, "Oh, do you think people want to use your product on their motorcycle, or whatever?" So yeah, it's not too we, far. It's not too go. far from what yeah. we're doing, and yeah. we even did things like okay. So, yeah, people want to do it, but just the way we sell it convert to motorcycle people. Like, that's an yeah. assumption. But then we can do things really quickly like, okay, we've got a bike mount and it, we know people are using it on a motorcycle. Well, that triggers our interest. But then we go, what if we tried to sell our bicycle product to some motorcycle people the way we sell it now, make a product page, run some ads, put people to it and go, oh, geez, this is really interesting. Not the perfect product yet for them. Yes. But you go straight away. It's better than a Kickstarter. You go yeah. under real market conditions, mm. people want to buy this through the system we already have. Yep. We just need to get that widget right. We need to get that product right. And then we go get the product right. And then we you could you could kickstarter that at that stage, right? Yes. Once you've got it all all done. But I sort of think at a certain point, it depends where you are in the journey, but we could kickstart it or we could just launch the thing and you know. No one knows your sales. No one yeah. knows what's going on. Yeah, that's but, true. But, you know, it'd, it'd, it'd be a pretty massive kick. Yeah. Like you don't, to, to do a half a million dollars worth of sales or a million dollars worth of sales, you don't have to do it. Yeah. You can just launch it like a normal product and start selling it through your normal channels. And Because I think if we were to kickstart a product like that, you, you do, you, you're thinking Kickstarter, you're thinking, you know, launch. going launch. to blogs, yeah. you're thinking launch, you're updates. thinking rewards, you're yeah. thinking updates, press. you're thinking all this stuff. Yeah, press. Yeah. A lot of extra work. And yeah. how many how many times do you see Kickstarters go and they get into the real world where they have to start going, okay, today I have to wake up and go and find another 300 customers or something yeah. or 1,000 customers or whatever yeah. they need to keep going. They don't find them like they used to Yeah. because they know how to run Kickstarters. Yeah. Where... As soon as you get to the market, under market conditions, you start learning, hang on, this is how we 
launch this product. This is how we convert these people. Yeah. And I know like when we did Moto, I think we changed the video like a bunch of times mm. until it started working. Yeah. All we would have done is push back a couple of months on that. Yeah. And then we get to what's really interesting, whereas we have, you know, this this sort of system running and it's producing big results every day in a scalable way, which we can just keep running. And if anything, we can add into that mm. where, you know, it's not that big spike of a Kickstarter and a big stop and then, you know, so that's, I think that's where now that's what I find that part of it really interesting. Yeah. And I also find it really interesting that it's talked about less <laughs> a lot of the yeah. time because it's public. Oh, you mm. see, yeah. you know, half a million dollars Unless come in in 30 yeah, days yeah. and this, that and the other thing. But all that's possible just without a Kickstarter. Yeah. You can do it all just the it's, same. It's changed a lot since when we first used it. Like, yeah. It's a very competitive space now on Kickstarter. Yeah, mm. for sure. Like, um, like we chat to a lot of people that are putting Kickstarter projects together and help out with a bit of advice. Yeah. Well, and you, like, you, me and you sat down when yeah. we did ours. Yeah. 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 You're kind enough to sit down with us. Yeah. You, you talked about, you know, the time of when they've put up their first draft, um, they, you know, look in the search results and by the time they've gone through and checked a few things and refreshed it, like 1,500 other projects have gone up in the last five minutes. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's insane, the volume. So there's a lot of noise on there you've got to break through mm. to really become popular um, and you've got to put so much more effort in and even money now to the marketing side of it to, to yeah, get the traffic. Yeah, you've got to traffic. do a polished video. You've got to do it really right. And when you are getting successful, these other marketing companies will come out of the woodwork saying we'll take X yeah. amount of your campaign if we can help you promote mm. it. Yeah. So it is a very, you know, more marketing focused engine uh, more so than just validation yeah um, there's also downsides to becoming super popular if it's your first product as well like i've seen a lot of products that have gone exceptionally well and the guys just weren't ready to take it to market as quickly as they should have mm. and before they can get it to market someone else has come along with a competitive product or a dead ripoff yeah and just taken the carpet from mm. the rug out from under their feet because they just weren't prepared for it yeah so. like fidget cube exactly fidget cube yep yeah. yeah, they yeah. got smashed. Oh, there's, yeah. there's yeah. tons of them. There's yeah. a long list. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, you've got to be make sure it's the right platform, mm. the right time for you. Yeah. 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 So um, you guys would still say, though, if you were just getting started, maybe Kickstarter is a good yeah. potential yeah. opportunity? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. For market validation, it still does what it needs to do, but just make sure you're prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't just – I think a lot of people just think you can put an idea on Kickstarter and it becomes successful. Yeah, uh, there's a whole lot more work behind the scenes to to get bring, the traffic. Yeah, in. expect yeah. to have to bring your own audience. That's yeah. what we tell everyone all yeah. day long. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if you can have a launch party with some friends, that all helps. Oh, like every definitely day. Yeah. <laughs> build the audience as big as you can before you even yeah. launch. Yeah. 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 yeah, interesting. So, um, talk to me around manufacturing. You guys, you guys manufacture out of China. Mm -hmm. um, you like how, how would you recommend someone get started? Do they do they go to China? Do they just go on Alibaba? Do a small MOQ? Like what? What's your thoughts takes on all that mm. side of things? I reckon the initial rule, uh, the, the first port of call is probably Alibaba is a good place to start looking. Yep. If you know what you're manufacturing, there's going to be similar products out there already. Yep. Uh, Alibaba is a good place to find manufacturers that already make those types of products that's yep. your best starting point yep um find as many contact as many as you can and just find out you know what they do what they can produce get some idea of costings yep um, but before you even get to that level you've obviously you've done your groundwork on your design and yep. details so you've got to finish product ready to go um and then once you've nailed down you know five ten manufacturers if you've never been to China, it's definitely worth going over there and sussing them out. Yeah. Because uh, on Alibaba, there's not just manufacturers. Mm. There's people posing 
as manufacturers. Oh, so they may right. be sourcing agents. Sourcing agents or marketing agents. Yes. Um, there's lots of opportunistic guys out there that know how to market but are not necessarily manufacturers. Mm. And yes. there's a lot of manufacturers that don't know how to market. Yes. So you get that guy in between who sees the opportunity and he says, hey, uh, so you're making toothbrushes. This mm. guy says, yep, we're the biggest toothbrush manufacturing company in Shenzhen. Yeah. He'll take your part, get a quote from a few suppliers and put his margin on it and go back and say, yeah, we can make them for you. But yeah. I don't know how many people are in that chain. So by going there and meeting with the suppliers you've met on Alibaba. Or if it is a sourcing agent, knowing they're a sourcing totally, agent. Yeah, yeah. If they're which being is, honest Which is nothing yeah, yeah. wrong yeah. with that either. Yeah. 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 Sourcing yeah. agents are great. We use one. Yep. Um, you know, they can definitely help with the communication and especially if, you know, like us, we're dealing with so many factories. Yeah, you guys got point. serious volume. Yeah, and yeah. Lots of, and as times change, we've moved through different manufacturers as well. Yep. So, okay. yeah, you think it'd get easier, but it seems to just keep getting harder. Yeah, wow. <laughs> so you guys use multiple different factories. Yep. Oh, yeah. Lots. Yeah. Wow. So I think there's probably, I was going through the list the other day and having finished it, it was like at least 15, 20 for all different things we use, yeah. Wow, and how do you maintain quality control? Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have good processes in place, multiple checkpoints where it's QCing. Yep. Um, and just the first part of it is vetoing your factories in the first place to make sure you're dealing with factories that make quality parts. Yep. So the simplest way to do that uh, is if you're finding a factory that makes similar products to what you want to produce, is look at the brand name companies they make parts for. Yep. That's um, your dead giveaway sign. But that also has a... A seesaw effect if you know, you're dealing with companies or factories that make big brands, yeah. they're going to want decent quantities. So you may not be so at a point where... For, for resource. Yeah, and you may not be at a point where you can justify their minimum quantities. Yeah. So they may not be interested in quoting on your product because they know you're starting out. So you've really got to find a balance between quality and price point and factory size yeah. and also communication and all that that adds into the equation to enable you to output the product you need at the quantities and at the price point. And the quality, so it's all just yeah, there's a lot of wow. factors that go into it, but yeah, Alibaba is a great starting point. I'm curious, like, uh, during obviously, one, one thing I think is brilliant about your guys' product is you, you guys coincide off the iPhone launches and when these new, even the Samsung, when, yeah, but more so yeah. Apple, when these new products go out, they do the big product launch, which means you guys got to gear up for that too, yeah, and you know. That, uh, that would be, pro- I'm assuming, quite stressful and yeah. and you've got a lot going on and you, you can have to pre-order crap tons of stock mm-hmm. in anticipation for this. Do you guys, like, do one of you guys go over and oversee or usually to China or Shenzhen or overseeing manufacturing? You don't have to or you've got to a point where you send, yeah, like... Uh, we've gone over many times to, you know, to check out factories and, you know, talk to our agent over there. Yep. Um, it's difficult to be there for the manufacturing cycles because you just there's so many variables it could span from you know a week to a, a month or so and yeah. it's hard to get as much work done over there as it is being over here with having the whole team yeah um, so we probably should be there more often than we are but the guys that we have over there we trust and we're in daily daily communication with them we use a good project yeah, management wow. tool where we're constantly sharing updates and photos and videos and schedules and things like that yeah wow um, but that's always a balancing act um but yeah getting stuff out at the timing point because it's not just us that want to make cases. Yeah. Um, there's lots of other manufacturers that want to make cases. Yeah, and all at the same time. The pressure is on. So yeah. it's in the factories over in China that manufacture any iPhone-related products at the moment. Yeah. They're at peak capacity just mm-hmm. trying to schedule machines and get people yeah. in. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. And even getting stuff shipped out yeah. is a nightmare. Like um, people are booking getting spaces space hard. on ships yeah. and planes to know that they can move their product out before the timing 
for iPhone launches. Conveniently, China goes on a week long, that's golden week coming up yeah. before the iPhone launch. I don't know yeah. if Apple planned that on purpose, but uh, that happens every year, so yeah. that's something you've got to take into account. Yeah, those Chinese holidays, yeah, they get you. seem to have more and more each year. It's yeah. Yeah. yeah, interesting. So another thing I want to talk to you guys about is one thing you guys are quite good at is, is identifying trends. Obviously, you, you picked the, the trend of crowdfunding and, and Kickstarter, and you were some of the first to market there, but then you guys were actually also – um, you know, some of the first to start using Facebook ads for marketing and mm. even Facebook did a case study on you guys. So um, I'm just kind of, Yeah, trendsetters. That's what I'm really <laughs> curious around. Like, like uh, what, what do you think is next on the horizon? What interests you guys in terms of marketing, getting your products out there um, in the cryptocurrency space, blockchain <laughs> yeah, technology? Yeah, like I'm curious. Yeah. I saw you did a funny... Funny video yeah. on Quark that. Toy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get on board now. I think I, I, I spent a fair bit of time thinking about this, and I think that uh, there's, you know, the disruption that's happened in media and that kind of thing at the moment. Anyway, you know, probably like things happen fast when they happen yeah. these days. You know, when mm. when print came about. Yep. the Gutenberg Press, that it wouldn't have happened that fast, right? People couldn't read. Yep. You know, they put out printing. When radio came around, that took off pretty quick. TV took off quicker again and, you know, like the Web 2.0 and things like that, social, that just took off super quick. So whatever happens, happens in a really short amount of time. But yeah. if you think about these, the big, big, big shifts don't happen all the time. You know, like it might be a, a platform shift where, you know, that sort of social um, web stuff goes from one platform to another yep. just like people went from, you know, watching, I don't know, something to watching HBO. MySpace the, to Facebook. MySpace mm. to Facebook, all that kind of yeah. thing, right? That, that stuff's always happened. But when you talk about like new channels coming out, yeah, that doesn't happen that often. Like we're talking maybe four times the last 100 years or something like that. Yeah. It's not often these things happen. So I think what is is looking for when things change in the world yes. and then looking for what opportunities that open up because, and I think it, a part of it is, so, you know, things change, you know, uh, the crowdfunding's one. Yep. So that was a, a new, a newish idea. And we're not doing it to be trendy. We're doing it because it's just, it seems like a way of getting something done, yeah. <laughs> getting from here to where we need to be. Yep. And I think and with not as much noise, but not as much noise, yeah. Facebook ads was a perfect example I remember thinking, I wonder if people click on these little things and would on the site because it was so basic. It was like a tiny little thumbnail, mm. blue text at the top, and a little bit of black writing underneath it. Mm. I wonder if people click on that and would buy something from an e-commerce website. So, like, it seems stupid to say, yeah. But I was thinking, I wonder if that that would happen. And so we play with it, try and learn. And I think what happens is there's all these experts out there working mm. at these big agencies that have to buy a certain amount of media from TIN or yeah. from, you know, uh, Osterio or yeah. someone and they've got these quotas to fill and they pitch it to their clients and there's this whole backbone and there's yeah. this whole system set up selling, you know, airtime to corporates and all this and they're not even thinking about, yeah. you know, putting these little ads on Facebook or yeah. even what Facebook is going to be. Yeah. So there's opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And you're thinking, wow, there's so many people out here. Then you look into it and you go, you can target people. She's like, I can show my ads to people who actually care about this. She's like, I can start with $20 if I want. 
So you're just being curious. Yeah, totally. And you're looking for things that have changed. Yeah. And when you're curious, you're looking for things that have changed, you're going to trip over the opportunity. And then when you trip over the opportunity, like, well, if we did that and then we had a product and we made a cool product and then we put it on a website and how much is an e-commerce website? And you see, you know, something like Shopify come on. You're like, yeah. Geez, like for 30 bucks a month or probably 90, I don't know what it was. Mm-hmm. We can be online selling something. And then you find that there's three PLs out there. And then it's just the curiosity, I think, and looking and playing and, you know, looking under the hood, but coming at it with no preconception. Yeah. So maybe if we had a marketing background or a logistics background Mm. or a retail background, you would have all these other preconceived ideas and you dismiss half of, no, 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 people want to go to a store to buy this. Mm. No, 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 people buy stuff that's on, I remember talking to Christopher Pine, he said, I still believe you communicate to people through uh, newspaper, radio and TV. (laughs) This is only maybe two years ago. (laughs) Uh, I don't know what planet he's on, but... You know, there's a lot of people on the internet now and a lot well, of people are reading. They don't own a computer in their home. <laughs> yeah, either, so. Yeah. so I think at the end of the day, it's that curiosity, the willingness to be wrong, just trying stuff. Trying new things, experimenting. Experimenting. And not really worrying about which way they'll go. Yeah, yeah. just learning yeah. really like the know, whole, as quick as you can. The whole, you know, this business wouldn't have existed if, um, you know, I managed to import one of the original iPhones from America because they didn't launch in Australia for the first version of it yeah, wow. and you know within a few days of using that i'd come up with an idea for a product which yeah. ultimately has become what quad locked is yeah but it's just that interest in new inventive new things whether it be technology be marketing just being aware of what's going around and jumping on things early to try mm. them out because you yeah. just don't know where they'll they'll take off yeah yeah get in there early yeah and i think there's a you know you talk to a lot of people and people want to get things right from the start and that's like a crazy idea. I don't know how it's yeah. possible to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, something done is better than not doing it all because yeah. then you get a chance to, to do it better again. And that, yeah. that's, um, yeah, that's a, I think that holds up a lot of people when you're talking about starting. Yeah, of course, that perfectionism, yeah, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. but you've got to ship it at some stage. And you learn so much as you ship, more you by shipping yeah. your first product, even if it's only yeah. like 70% as good as you want it to be. Uh, if it's still right, people hopefully will buy it and mm. then you'll get so much more valuable feedback from them to make your second version ten times better than what your first version would have been if you tried to hold out and made it yeah. 100%. Because your but you ideas can, you and your conceptions the whole business may not model. be right. Yeah, exactly. Like the yeah. product's yeah. just one part and I see so many people get stuck on that, like yeah. just that one part because a business doesn't work without multiple parts of it working. Mm. So, you know, you, it's easy to have the best marketing in the world with the best with the worst product going nowhere. Have the best marketing, have the worst website to convert on. Yeah. Have the best website, have shit marketing, no traffic. Yeah. Have, like you can, you can skew it every different way you want and it cannot work. If you get everything working okay, you get a chance to make one of them better. You get it working better, you get a bit more of a chance to make another part of it better. Mm-hmm. And then you can get on this on this way where you just every single day, like we went and did a shoot this morning, yeah. we have a list of stuff that we're, we, we're going to do different. We've done heaps of shoots, but yeah. we got there like, oh, we should have done this, we should have done that. All right, Next get time. back. This goes on our list. We're going to make it better. And if you just do that every time, like you're just getting that bit Constant better, bit better, bit yeah. better, bit better, you know, converting better. And because often things don't get easier. And so now, you know, we used to be able to find, I remember when we would, when I'd be looking, be finding big wins everywhere all the time. 
and it's easy to make. <laughs> it's so much easier to make those changes oh, yeah. early on. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's kind of like when you're small, you're this real nimble speedboat that's zipping along and you can yeah. change direction. And as you get into yeah. this big, heavy container ship, it's so much harder to change direction and mm. implement change but as you can, as you could. I think it, we, I was speaking with, um, I wouldn't say it was someone yes, two days ago. Yeah. They said, oh, you know, you just have to accept as you get bigger, it, it's harder to change, you can't react. I said, no, I don't accept it. You can choose not to. Mm. And he's, oh, but, you know, other companies, I'm like, well, that's good for other companies. They can be like that. Yeah. But we, what we're doing, we want to be like this and we want to be able to adapt quickly and we're going to change it. So you're saying you can't do that for us? Oh, no, we, we can do that. We can do that. So, I mean, you can accept or you can try and, you know, push. And because I think that's, where, that's why we're here in the, in the first place. The impact place. of the scale of those changes seems much greater when you're bigger. But oh, I think is, if you weigh yeah. the percentages, they're probably a similar percentage impact. But, you know, it's got more zeros attached to it. So yeah, it's totally. a harder decision to make and you've yeah, got to yeah. be able to stomach changes that will maybe have an impact short term for a longer term mm-hmm. gain. But it's a bigger decision to make because it has a puts a bigger dent in things when you make that call. Mm. Yeah. yeah, speed, speed is everything. Yeah, like that, I, like, yeah. Well, time is the one resource yeah. you can't get more of. Yeah, so. and and yeah. when you're competing and like you said, you guys got yeah. so many, so many people chasing, yeah, you got copying. Yeah, you, you, your competitive advantage mm. is often speed and yeah. your marketing yeah. and your brand and your community, and, and that, that that loyalty. Yeah, you know, but well. one thing, even if they have, you know, they could, they can outdo us in a certain way because they have more money yep. or more whatever. What they don't have is, you know, six, seven years in the market. Mm. They, they can't just that experience. Man, how much that money knowledge. they have. Yeah. They can't click their fingers and have that. Yeah. 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 Totally understand. So um, we have to work towards wrapping up. Um, a few final questions just around scale because you guys are growing quite fast. You would have scaling uh, challenges. Talk to us around that, like, you know, with, with the amount of like volume of units and that you're moving and to keep building upon that it gets harder and harder, right? So so tell us around some of your problems around scale or challenges that you've had at the moment that you're working on overcoming. It's a few. Well, <laughs> I mean, a, a really practical one is um, we got a call from our 3PL the other day and said, uh, we need to move your move ship your warehouse. You're going to be down for three days in the US. This is just the US. Yeah. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Down for three days? We can't do that. Um, straight away, we're like, no, can't do it. Then we like, you know, it's coming into the busiest time. We're moving all the, the heaviest pick and pack people that they have in one of their oldest warehouses. They're going to move it to one of their newest warehouses. And the, because effectively, if they didn't move us coming into the season, we're coming up with Black Friday and iPhone yeah. launches and Christmas time. Like, they're like, it's going to break. It's not going to work. Mm-hmm. So. Things like that are like, you know, you think you get to a scale where those kind of little things don't come up. You know, you've got, like, you're still working with partners and all that and you think that, you know, they're looking ahead but they're not necessarily and yeah. they get surprises and, you know, people get acquired and and then when you're talking about being down for three days, that's a lot of money for us these days. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, right, if they're like, if you don't do it, we won't move you. We don't move you. We're the ones that have to wear the consequences, you know, two, three months from now and where we, we could really be screwed. It's like right now, like how do we minimise the impact of this? What are we going to do? Come up with a creative idea to try and still get people in the cart. But, you know, when they're in the cart, make sure they absolutely have to know that there's a three-day shipping delay. We count that three-day down. We, we're communicating with them, trying to work out when it is. Like when you had, when you're selling 20, 30 units a day, 
you could just be like, oh, you could email every one of them, or you could de- <laughs> call you could them deal with it. You could, you could, you know, you, there's something else you can do. Where now we can't always already, you know, we can't two days into this have 500 tickets come through for yeah. support saying, I don't think my order's shipped. I don't think this is going on. Like you've got to manage it in a whole different way. Yeah, I think the flow-on effects of some of these things wouldn't have affected us back then, but now you've got to really take them into account when you make any kind of assumption or change on that. Yeah. Because, you know, you do that wrong and all of a sudden the huge amount of load that that throws on the customer support team is massive. And if you did a few things differently, you would have avoided that. So you've got to be real smart about that. And I think also one thing that's got us recently is how fast things can change and shift. Like yeah. ordering stock, you're based off, you know, your run rates and you're looking at your historical data of how that goes. Yeah. And you okay, go, oh, that stock, we'll order that much stock that'll get us through to that month. That's then, been from day one there, really. Yeah. <laughs> you can see it recently, like, you know, you're, oh, but it didn't take account for this last month where, you know, if you're looking at run rate over the past three months, you might yeah. have a certain number. But if you look at it like that, those last few weeks is what you should really be going off and then you should have ordered heaps more because of the, the way that product's growing. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be aware of, you know, the small changes as well as the big changes. And how We've had the chat out. where it goes, actually, can we make as many as we're selling at yep. a certain point? It's yep. like, actually, no, like it could be that <laughs> yeah, getting sales it, isn't yeah. the actual, you know, what's Problem. stopping you. It could yeah. be that now we're at a point where can we make enough units per day to keep up with even what we're like yeah. we're ordering as many as we can but we haven't kept up so there's like lots mm. of different things yeah, maxing um, out supply yeah and also um you know working with our partners to make sure they're able to grow with us yeah and mm. if they're not willing to find definitely find alternatives because you know if they they're going to be a bottleneck to an a certain aspect of your business you don't want to let that be them the reason why you can't continue to scale so yeah, that sounds scary to be honest. I think, that, yeah. I think the thing with, with business is you don't talk to many businesses and say we're going to give you shitloads more work. Like, are you okay with? No one says no. No. Yeah. <laughs> Have you? Has anyone ever said no, no to you? Yeah, yeah. We're going to pay you heaps more. No. But well, what happens is, do they put in the measures yeah. to to be in the position where? You know, like this is right from the top of the business to the bottom of the business. Do they yeah. put in the measures to be in the position that they should be in? to keep giving you the level of service that they need to give you. Mm. Like the shipping one is a perfect example. Yeah. It's no, it gets to crisis point. Something breaks, admittedly, they're trying to fix it yeah. and you have to try and help them fix it because... And you also help them by painting the picture of what the future looks yeah. like too. So yeah. forecasting volumes and um, when you're going to have big flows of massive yeah. stock moves and things like that. You've got to help them help themselves yeah. as much as you can. And, you, know, you can give them a bit of rope, but if they don't follow through a few times, then you've got to have a backup plan it's a need a plan it's an awareness thing as well i know we've had some meetings and i still think of us as sort of a a small company which we are but then you hear then we're like we're doing this at that level and you go well that's more than another company that you hear about you're like Mm. oh oh okay that sort of puts it in scale you know if you're you said said a few times you, you by default you automatically think that you're doing not as good as everyone well, else. Earlier, I think, but then I think you just presume everyone's. Do, do. I just That's presume everyone's doing, doing really that. well, yeah. and everyone is, you know, doing that, doing this, having that work, having this payoff. Um, you know, struggling with these things, and then you start. The more you start talking, and that you know, you talk to different suppliers, and you're like, oh, okay, that's not your issue. That's your issue. Okay, that's. Yeah, yeah we we do a yeah. lot more than that. I think one thing I've learned is that no matter how big the business is, nothing's working in pure unison. No. Yeah, everything's, everything's got chaos. Issues, challenges. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
It's like reading the um, the Everything Store book about Amazon. You know, yeah. they're in chaos forever. Yeah. I don't think they'll ever get out of it. Oh, we do. Like, we literally, we would send, Ben would send multiple emails to Amazon every single day trying Why? to get stuff fixed. Because they're in chaos. They always have been. <laughs> like, it's just a nightmare. It's just nothing's uh, ever. Nothing works. You, you just assume, you look at good companies and you're like, oh, everything must be running like clockwork. Yeah. But yeah. it's like the you know, the swan on top of the water is all nice and calm, but down below, kicking like crazy, trying to keep things afloat. Yeah. That's, I think that just applies to just about every yeah. person I've spoken to. And I, I think you yeah. think as you grow, You'll get to, you'll you'll be able to smooth these things out. That's what you tell yourself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, the problem doesn't just get bigger. Like that. Yeah, yeah. That's what you tell yourself. Yeah. That's what you that's what you work towards. Yeah, yeah. We we'll get this these amount of people. We get you know. Yeah, you think you yeah. think yeah. oh we'll get this agency involved to do this. Yeah. We'll get these people to do that. You get yeah. then you realise you might have to work harder together to, to get <laughs> yeah. to achieve what you need to achieve. Yeah. You can't just you know no one's ever going to care as as much as you do. Yeah. I think that's Definitely. that's the other thing. Yeah. Mm. So talk to me around um, team building and, and your leadership team. You guys would be starting to build out your leadership team now at the kind of... We're pretty flat structure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so one thing I find interesting is basically most of your team is here, yeah, in Melbourne, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, for founder, for us, I've personally found it's hard to find great talent. So I actually don't care now where somebody's from. I'll, mm. I'll hire them if, and make them a remote person and just kind of sort yeah. it in and make it cool. work. Um, how have you guys kind of dealt with, with kind of resource and, and finding? It's probably, yeah. I reckon everyone being used probably more reflection on our management style. Yeah. Just, just well, we have our core team here it. of stuff that we all do here. Yeah. Yeah, we've definitely <laughs> got a lot of stuff that we outsource yep. and they're more remote workers. Yep. Um, it depends on the task that you're doing. I think having someone in-house is definitely more efficient to get things done for what we the core yep. collaboration of the business. Yep. Um, but for things that can be outsourced, yeah, we definitely would do so when the opportunity arises. Yeah. 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 But it is tricky to find good people. Like, you know, recruitment's a tough part for any company. Yeah. But you also got to be willing to um, like put in to the people. Yeah, train well. them up. Mm. Yeah. That's a big one. Yeah, so you guys, you find that you, you look to find people with experience or people that you can mould from the ground up. Depends on the role. Yeah, it depends on the role. When we've, often we've gone out to try to get a whole heap of experience. Yes. And you, you I remember a job description we had and I, I think I just was shopping around with people and like was three or four people in a row told me like there's no one does that. Yeah. No one does all that. In yeah. one person. In one yeah. person. And yeah. you're like, okay. And you sort of ignore it. Yeah. <laughs> Keep looking. Someone else says exact same. Oh no, no, not one person will do all that. And then well, they you might. realize They're just extremely hard to find. Yeah. yeah. And then you realize all people just tell you like, no, there's there's none in Melbourne yeah. that yep. you'll be happy with, or there's none here, yeah. there's none here. But then you can find someone that is keen or interested. Yep. And um, you know, try and work it out together because I think I think the main thing is that. You know, everything's changing all the time. Yeah. Um, there's parts of the parts of the business that are more, I don't know what you call it. Status. Sta- yeah, traditional. Yeah. Yeah, maybe yeah. traditional, yeah. conventional. Yeah. Yeah, so. And then there's other parts that are changing all the time and it's trying to work out how to do that. But then even in the, in the, you know, you could say something like accounting. Yeah. Like we have to account. But then when we started this, I just think you go to an accountant, you go to a big accounting firm and they'll help you out. And, and then it's like, oh, but we've got to do VAT tax. We've got it. We're selling from, you know, from yeah. UK into the EU and we're doing that. And, and then you realise this, they're working at, these are big companies and they're working it out for the first time for you on your dollar because at yeah. the end of the day, 
actually, you know, 10 years ago, it was only, you know, big multinational, big mm, that companies that, that had that kind of, you know, uh, reach in the world. And now, you know, we will probably, um, you know, only a couple million dollars or when we started, whatever we were. Yeah selling to, you know, 150 countries in our first three months. Mm, yeah, wow. And that's normal now. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, it's a normal job, accounting, but nowadays you've got to understand tax law all throughout the world. You've got to, mm-hmm. um, you know, be more analytical. You want to be able to learn stuff that you would never would. But you have to learn taught. stuff. Like you can't rely on these people. So I remember one time we no, had our account, everything. accountancy yeah. firm that we were using and we were asking them some international taxation questions and they got their international taxation ex- expert in and he's come back with this big spiel and obviously he didn't do as much Googling as we did because we've come <laughs> back and gone, actually, you find that you've just what reported was superseded in 2008. This is the new, new law. Here's the link. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> Even though we've just paid them thousands of dollars yeah, as an expert yeah. to tell us stuff. But at the end of the day, like, no one's an expert. No, no, but We're all just working it out as we go like along. How far yeah. do they, how deep yeah. do they want to go on this? Yeah. How much care they It's, it's totally like that. Yeah. So I think as soon as you realise that, you realise that it could be that could be that we have a part-time cleaner on the weekend and actually he's got potential to be the best GM out of everyone here. Like, yeah. We don't know because I don't think going and doing an MBA put you in a better spot to That'd do. That'd be pretty good, Ken. Uh, yeah, I think he'd be great. You know, <laughs> he's a good guy. He's got a good business. But yeah. what I mean is, you know, subscribing to the old way that, okay, they've gone and they've studied this and they've ticked these boxes, therefore they do this role. Yeah. I don't yeah. necessarily believe that's accurate. And I don't necessarily yeah. believe someone is better for that. Do they have experience? Yeah, that can be great. With experience comes a lot of preconceived ideas and assumptions as well. So what you want is people who are willing to, you know, buck the status quo, work things out as they go, want to get better, want to learn, realise that we're in a constant state of flux and that things are going to change and that we just have to do the best we can with that uh, situation that we're in at that time and realise that six months are going to be different again. Mm. Awesome, guys. So, look, uh, this has been an awesome conversation. Kind of the last question I want to ask you guys is... uh, yeah, where's the best place people can find out more about yourselves and your work? Quadlockcase.com is a good starting point for the product. Definitely, yeah. yeah. I'm at Robbie Ward and... I'm at CP Licious, if you can spell that one. Yep. Yeah, on uh, Twitter, Instagram. Twitter, yeah, all the same. All the same. Um, check out Rob's blog, RobbieWard.com. No, don't do that. <laughs> I don't think it's got much content. It's been updated in a while. Uh, awesome. All right, well, look, thank you so much, fellas, for having us. And, uh, yeah, great conversation. Thanks so much for sharing and taking the time. Awesome, man. Thanks, Thanks for having us on. Founder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks so much, guys. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.